It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves postcast. We are live following the Timberwolves win over the Utah Jazz. Marty Gellner of Valley Sports North joins the show to break down the game. The Lockdown Wolves postcast starts right now. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Marty Gellner of Bally Sports North is with us to talk through the Timberwolves win over the Jazz on Friday night. And Marty, this was another fun one. Uh, very, actually, kind of similar to Wednesday's win over the Pacers. The Wolves were up double digits at halftime. The Jazz come back to tie it, but the Wolves keep pushing back. Fun close to the game, fun fourth quarter, a big deal game late. Um, where do you want to start with this one? I think D'Angelo Russell, man, yeah. going in, we talked a lot of, uh, we at, on our pregame show anyway, talked a lot about Rudy Gobert. It was such a big storyline and some emotion to it, heading back home to Salt Lake City or the, his home for nine years anyway. But we got to that four, fourth quarter, deal with six for six from three in the fourth. He had 20 points. The Wolves as a team had 36, and D'Angelo had 20 of those in the fourth quarter. And it's the second game in a row where he just turned it up a notch or 10 in the fourth quarter and the confidence I just feel like is totally different right now than it was at the start of the season. He talked about um, after the game that early in the season he was trying to be a point guard. Like that was his mindset. He was trying to manage everyone and manage the game and he was trying to be, in his words, be a point guard. And just recently he totally shifted his focus to now I'm just going to play basketball because that's what he's always done. And he said it's made a big difference for him. So the adjustment from uh, thinking and being like a point guard to versus being just a basketball player has somehow unlocked D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I mean, you said it. he scored 20 in the fourth quarter. He shot a perfect seven of seven from the field in the fourth. He hit five threes. Um, and he was pretty good over the first three quarters of the game, I thought. I thought he was playing well on both ends of the floor. He's competed a lot more defensively lately as well. I don't know uh, if that came up at all post-game. And the, and the high, the focus, obviously, rightfully so, was on his crazy offensive fourth quarter. But he's also just competed on defense more lately. And I think that that's been a little bit of a tone setter, too, 
uh, for the Wolves because the the you know ball pressure or point of attack defense, really perimeter defense, hasn't been great for much of the season. Um, but then the Jazz played; they played a lot of zone in this game, um, mixed it in quite a bit, heavy zone uh, early in the fourth quarter. And DeAndre Russell was kind of the ultimate zone buster, where he just would kind of pass and relocate, and and his teammates would find him, and he'd be open and. He knocked down the three more often than not. Actually, every time he shot a three in the fourth quarter, yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was really kind of a, a perfect all around close to the game for D'Angelo Russell. He was in the sweet spot every time when the Wolves needed him to be. And he talked about the zone and that's how that was really the key to him getting those shots in the first place. But he uh, he would, re, as you said, Ben, he would relocate and find the soft spot, the sweet spot, whatever it is, where uh, Utah was kind of sagging off a little bit. And I mean, it, it, you could tell a sixth grade basketball team how to beat the zone and it's hit outside shots. They're there for you. And that goes all the way up to the NBA level. That's still yep. true. So yes, seven of seven from the floor, six of six from three. He did not, I think it was 0 for three going into the fourth quarter, D'Lo was, and then went six of six from three in the fourth. It was just, it was really incredible. He was absolutely locked in and locked on, if you will. Nice. I like it. <laughs> um, he, uh, it, we've talked about this before, actually, in the postcast, Marty, that the, that teams playing zone against the Wolves, taking it just a little bit bigger picture. Teams have done that to great success against the Wolves this season. Most teams kind of mix it in. There's some teams that, of course, play it more than others. Um, and the Wolves struggled a lot with, you know, teams that are really good at it, like a Miami uh, that, that do it a lot. Um, but, but even still, the wolves never really seem to figure out as we've talked about, it's a relatively elementary concept, just make the easy pass and hit the open shot. But I think part of the reason it's so effective at the NBA level against some teams is that, is that hardly any team is playing zone most of the time, right? They're mixing it in. It's not like a college or high school team that plays it hundred percent of the time. It's not like you're playing Syracuse every night. So you don't get used to it on every possession. It's, it's more of a wrench to throw in the middle of the game. And in this game, it almost felt like Utah overplayed the zone so much so that the Wolves just got comfortable, like basically just kind of picking it apart in a sense. And obviously you still have to make the open shots, but we've seen the Wolves throw the ball into the stands and they, you know, there were still some sloppy moments in this game, but we've seen them have really bad turnovers against the zone in the past. And I, it almost felt like they got comfortable. And, and I don't know if this is like a breakthrough moment for them, um, you know, against the zone, who knows, but. I mean, that would be a really like that's been one of the major storylines, I think, of the first quarter of the season has been the Wolves inability to knock down shots and, and beat. Uh, beat them deep. It has been an issue. And I, I would guess somewhere in between the two is the real Wolves team, because the inability to hit shots and in particular hit three point shots up until the last couple of games is not, I don't think where this Wolves team is. But also having D'Angelo Russell go six for six from three is not where this team is either. You can't expect that anywhere near that's going to happen on a regular basis. So once the, all the dust settles and we find out really maybe this team is like a 37, 8% three-point shooting team, then you if you hit them at the right time, you can really knock a team out of the zone quickly. But the just hitting shots and hitting three-point shots has been an issue for Minnesota against man, against zone. It doesn't really matter. And Carl Anthony Towns is the team's best three-point shooter. Torian Prince is the team's second best three-point shooter. And both of those guys are out. 
and missing significant time at this point. Chris Finch gave an update on, on Torian and said he's going to be another week to maybe two. And he was hurt that week of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So now the Wolves are trying to figure this out without their two best percentage-wise three-point shooters. So, I mean, that I guess the number is, is still in flux or the, the real Timberwolves team is still to unveil itself. And it's somewhere in between what's happened to start the season and what's happened in the last couple of games. Yeah, it's been one of the things I've talked a lot about on the show is, is the Timberwolves um, – you know, eventually there's going to be some progression to the mean for a lot of these guys that are shooting well below their career averages. And uh, I, you know, made note during the game, this potentially is D'Angelo Russell's progression to the mean because he's well below his career average coming into the game. He finished, like you said, six of six in the fourth quarter, finished six of nine from three. And then Wolf shot 40% as a team at halftime. One of the stories of the game was that the the Jazz were predictably making threes like everybody expected them to do coming in. The Wolves were dominating in the paint like we expected them to coming into the game, and they were up 16 at halftime. And then in the second half, the Wolves all of a sudden caught up to the Jazz and surpassed them. They actually ended up making more threes in this game than Utah, which is not what we expected. No. Um, a, another, uh, I guess, related to the zone, but taking the conversation in a different direction, Kyle Anderson tonight finished with 12 assists he finished with 15 and 12 of course jordan mclaughlin ended up only playing four minutes leaving with calf tightness i want to talk a little more about that later because the wolves play again on saturday and and who knows what the bench situation looks like for chris finch but in this game it ended up being a lot of kyle anderson and a little bit of Jalen noel running the second unit effectively kyle anderson played 35 minutes in this game and was really really good part of it was running the second unit and then the other part of it was he kind of sat down in the middle of the zone, almost like you'd like see a receiver do in football where like, I'm just going to pick a spot and stand here. They're going to throw me the ball, you know, near the elbow or whatever. And then I'm going to kind of pick apart the defense, find guys that are open. Um, but Kyle Anderson was like that perfect, you know, we, we talk about him being that veteran with a calm demeanor, somebody who obviously is nicknamed slow-mo things slow down. He plays the game at his mm-hmm. own pace. Yeah. And this was, I think he was one of the keys to the wolves you know, not having a, a true point guard to run the second unit at all. And then also playing a team that plays his own so much. Kyle Anderson was really good. One of his best games, certainly in a Wolves uniform. Yeah, he was three rebounds shy of a triple-double. Mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson needed three more rebounds to get a triple-double. He's um, he's really a unique player because you really can play him one through five. He'd be small if he's going to be your five, but... I mean, in a pinch, a guy that is that versatile is really something special in the NBA. And he, so he grew up playing AAU basketball with the older kids specifically because he was always tall and his dad never wanted him to be pigeonholed as a big, as a post player. And so when he played up, obviously he's very skilled too, so it was probably the right skill level, but... His dad did it intentionally so he could play with taller kids so he could still handle the ball. And even even in college, he played his first year as a power forward or forward position, his second year point guard at UCLA. And so even, even entering the NBA, he was coming off a season where he was his college team's point guard at his height at 6'9". So that... I mean, to have that skill, to have developed it, to keep it, to be able to use it at a high level for someone of his size, I just feel like that is super impressive. And then you see where, where it comes to play in a practical situation. That would be tonight when Jordan McLaughlin has to leave the game with a calf injury, and now you're like, well, 
who's gonna who's gonna play points in our in our second unit? Well, good thing we have Kyle Anderson here. Apparently, he can. Yeah, well, that was actually I thought that was really fun to watch him sort of just uh, handle himself in that situation. Let's talk about our presenting sponsors of the postcast tonight. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at BetOnline. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Um, Marty, let's talk a little bit about Anthony Edwards. He, um, I mean, he didn't shoot the ball well, obviously, in this game. He finished, what, 3 of 14 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. But that was really the only thing he didn't do well. I I thought early in the game he struggled some defensively. It kind of felt like it was going to be one of those those Ant games. And then I don't know what happened, but it felt like he just kind of locked in towards the end of the first quarter, early second quarter. He was really good defensively for the most part in this game. He had six rebounds, three steals, only one turnover in this game. He got to the line six times. He had that really impressive bucket he made with under a minute to play, I think, where it looked like he was going to try and sling just a massive two-handed dunk, and he was able to still have control of his body to, to make a really tough layup. Um, it was it was an interesting ant game, and I thought he really, you know, grinded this one out given how bad his his jumper looked for much. Not, it didn't look bad. He just missed a lot of jumpers. Um, I just thought this was an impressive performance from that standpoint that he still was able to play, I thought, pretty good complimentary basketball in this game. I would agree with that. I think he was one for 11 before he made a couple more shots. It was just a really, really rough shooting night for Ant. And so I think him being able to continue to contribute in the game was really a step forward for him because sometimes his whole kind of demeanor or engagement or interest in the game is tied to his offensive performance, whether he's getting the shots, making the shots, involved in the offense, that kind of stuff. Well, he And he was getting a decent amount of shots, but he kept driving to the rim. He he missed several at the rim. They were contested, but though I feel like that could be the type of game where Ant just either checks out mentally or just doesn't have the will to keep going at 100% and trying to make a play to help his team win the game. And this was the night where the offense was not there, The shot, at least shot-wise. At least the shot going right. through the net was not there. But he still was throughout. So that, to me, is progress and a real step forward for Anthony Edwards. Now we'll see what he does tomorrow night because he is notoriously not very energetic in the second night of a back-to-back. And even he is the first person to admit that. So can he carry it over? Can he do it on back-to-back nights? Yeah, and, and if he brings, you know, the effort in all other areas and and I think overall on the glass he's been much better lately, which is something we've been, you know, Chris Finch has talked about it. We've we've all, you know, covering the team have talked about like, hey, you know, Ant and Jaden McDaniels both need to rebound better. That's going to go a long way towards solving the rebounding issues and and I think Ant's been a concerted effort. He had one um offensive rebound that was just insane in this game and then missed the putback actually to your point. Um, but like the athleticism and the size, he's just got to rebound better. And I think we're seeing that a little bit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the bench. Um, no Jordan McLaughlin after he played four minutes in the first half and ended up with, as we talked about Noel and Anderson running, running point. We saw a little bit of Wendell Moore Jr. Second straight game where he played just four minutes after starting the previous two games. He ran some points at the end of the third quarter. Uh, we talked about back to back on Saturday night. 
What do the Wolves do with the backup point guard spot? I mean, they just recently uh, waived AJ Lawson, who can run some offense, and he's no longer with the team. They, of course, because of Cat's injury and Torian Prince's injury, they added some more size to the roster. They just added Matt Ryan, who's very much you know a bigger forward, a wing. Um, do they just kind of have Jalen Noel or Wendell Moore run the second unit, or is it Kyle Anderson staggering minutes and running a lot of point like they did in the second half of this game? Is that sustainable? Um, what do you think they do on Saturday to, to run that second unit? And I guess beyond that, moving forward, if McLaughlin ends up missing a few games with the calf again. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping it was precautionary and that yeah. Jordan maybe felt it just tighten up because that was the official word. It was calf tightness. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like re-injury or polar strain or whatever, but I I would be surprised if he plays tomorrow. So right. I'll, I'll go with the assumption that Jordan McLaughlin will be out, but hopefully that's the only game he'll miss. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, boy, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Is it kind of point guard by committee? And how many minutes is D'Angelo Russell going to be able to play on the second night of a back-to-back knowing this is also the start of a five game road trip where they're yeah. playing five games in eight days. Like this is just not an easy stretch. At least they don't have to travel between games here. It's Portland on Saturday, Portland on Monday. So you kind of get a, probably a little more rest, stay in one place. But we saw we saw the point guard by committee with Jalen Noel, Kyle Anderson, and Wendell Moore Jr. tonight, and Wendell got four minutes. You know, so sometimes maybe that's all you need is just give us four solid minutes. Let's patch it together. We'll put timeouts on either side. It'll give D'Lo an extra few minutes to rest and catch his breath. Uh, this is where the creativity and outside the box kind of thinking from Chris Finch I think can help. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I, I do not have an answer and it's something I'll be watching. And then of course you got to think defensively too, because you got Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons, a really good backcourt in Portland where you need your point guard and probably your two guard as well to not just play on the offensive end, but to give you some really solid defensive minutes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so Portland Saturday night and then Portland again, weirdly in Portland on Monday, um, I, I guess let's let's close with this. Any thoughts at all on the end of the game on the uh, the Rudy Gobert uh, shot at the buzzer right before the buzzer, the Malik Beasley, you know, exchanging words with him at, at center court? I feel like it's pretty much a, a non conversation, but social media is having the conversation. So, I mean, do you have do you have any thoughts on it at all? Yeah, um, I was like, calm down, everybody. Yeah, Chris, I'll tell you what Finch said. He said, if you don't want Rudy to, to shoot that shot, then don't press us. Yep, exactly. So if Utah's going to go into a full-court press, then... Right. Like, gonna, it's, if it's you're not... going to play hard, why can't we play hard? Right, exactly. It's not like he took a, you know, took a wide-open three with them not contesting or, you know, or, you know, not... Because you're right, they were completely pressing. And it, it also, there's also the... um the end of the jazz game in Minnesota at the beginning of the year in game two, when Vanderbilt had the dunk with something extra at the end. Now that was a four point game, but the wolves were also pressing. Like it's kind of same, same. And I think Rudy probably just did it because, Hey, I'm right in front of the basket and I'm a pro basketball player. Why wouldn't I just lay it in? Um, I don't think, I don't think he was thinking about the Vanderbilt dunk in Minnesota, but um, no. And I thought it's not like Rudy dunked it and then pointed at the crowd or did anything. I mean, Malik Beasley, after he hit that three, in the second half, right in front of the Wolves bench, stood there for another 10 seconds and like did some sort of weird hip dance move. And that didn't get teed up. So I just think tempers are probably hot. And I think Malik Beasley maybe really wanted to win this game. 
Hoffman, he was the guy that took exception to it. Involved in this were the two that were traded for each other. So maybe it was more Malik taking it personally than the, the Utah team. But I thought Rudy handled it just fine. He got the, he got the pass. He was standing. He was basically taking a shower underneath the net. Like that's right. how far under the basket he was. All he had yeah. to do was jump up and put it put it in. I I was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it does it does feel like it's really more about the former Wolves than it is about like a Wolves Jazz rivalry. I mean, who knows? If the Jazz continue to play well, then obviously same division, you know, currently similar records. Like we'll see when it's all said and done, but these teams still play a couple more times this year. As we mentioned, the Wolves go to Portland to play on Saturday night and then stay in Portland to play again on Monday. We'll be live again following those games for the live postcast about 45 minutes after the final horn here at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. And uh, also after the fact, the audio on the Lockdown Wolves audio channels, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find that. Be sure to subscribe to both Lockdown Sports Minnesota and Lockdown Wolves. A big thank you for listening. A big thank you for watching. And we will catch you next time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.